your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Adrian goes under center this time. Mills, the deep back, turn and toss it to Mills off the left side. He's to the 10, stiff arms a man, five dives. He is in, touchdown Nebraska. Diedrich Mills finds the end zone from 14 yards out. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. And thank you. Welcome to the Tuesday edition of Sports Nightly here on the Husker Sports Network. Hope you had a good day today. Thank you so much for being a part of the program tonight. You're in for a real treat tonight. Coming up here in a couple of minutes, we'll hear from the head football coach. Scott Frost will stop by. It's been hmm, six weeks probably since we've talked to the head coach. Just check in, see how things are going with him and his thoughts about the upcoming season, which is certainly totally up in the air as we've detailed seemingly every day you get some positive news and some positive outlooks from some people and then yet you hear some negative things that make you wonder whether this is really going to happen in the fall or not Uh, for example today ben you had the the uh, california state schools which do not include stanford or cal or ucla or usc but schools like san diego state san jose state fresno state they're not going to open in the fall. They came out today and said 23 universities that fall under that system in the state of California are not, are not going to have on-campus learning this fall. And so that really puts those three that I mentioned, San Diego State, San Jose State, and Fresno State, seasons in jeopardy. And I would almost think probably that well, has to bleed into basketball for those schools as well if they're not going to have on-campus uh classes this year so that's one strike against that i saw kendall rogers our friend from d1 baseball put out something today about how the mac conference is reducing some things they're doing away with the mac baseball tournament from here on out so while we kind of look for positive things ben you still certainly hear negative things about the the state schools in california shutting down for the fall I think that's we're still kind of in that discovery phase a little bit too of you know finding those dates finding you know any type of resolution or you know any type of plan moving forward I obviously it's becoming difficult to uh, you know pinpoint a particular area particular um, you know geography particular conference it's becoming hard to just find you know those commonalities and and just a uniform um you know date and i think you know to a certain extent we're going to have that for a while uh, of just the uncertainty and um you know i know I, just the talks of uh, the pro sports getting back uh, the amount of different pages that uh, people are on uh, of getting you know the the pro sports back and college is going to be even more over the map all over the map because just in sheer numbers how many universities there are and how many conferences there are and how many states continue to be affected so there's not going to be any uniformity to this for quite some time. I think that's becoming clear. On the other side of that, Urban Meyer, former Ohio State head football coach, he was did an interview with Fox Sports Today and said, or maybe it was the SEC Network, he said he has no doubt that college football is going to be played, uh, that he has had many conversations with sources, and he thinks it's full steam ahead. I think – my gut tells me we're going to see college football this fall. It may be in a completely different form than we think. And whether we have fans or not, I don't know. I'm not sure anybody really knows that. But I do feel, I do feel confident. Maybe I'm just the, 
the rosy red guy here that wants to see everything through cream-colored glasses that we will have college football come this fall. We do have some Husker hoop news that we need to address here tonight as Fred Hoiberg and the staff have gotten a big guy, Ben, Eduardo Andre, a six foot ten young guy who prepped this past year in the Phoenix area. Um, he, interesting story. This is a, a guy who was born in Angola, moved to Britain, Great Britain, London, when he was about four. Didn't start playing basketball until he was about 15 years old. And, uh, oh, my dog's my dog's in a part of this one. Um, He's all about the commitment. But this kid's, this kid's a big body, Ben. Yeah, six foot ten. Obviously, you like the size, six ten, two twenty. Uh, we're waiting on the big guy, waiting on somebody to say yes uh, to Nebraska to come help. Um, you know, to come help, kind of beef that up right away. Uh, if you're into the the rivals rankings, he's a three star, uh, almost almost. He's a top two hundred guy and then a top top fifty center um, around college basketball or at least recruited. So. I think this was a bit of a surprise how quick this all happened, but I think, you know, addressing the need right away. And, again, Matt Abdelmassi going out and finding somebody that can help this team. And, you know, I, I know people are always going to say, you know, you lose, um, you know, over, you lose a couple of recruits and you just scratch off and go down the list. But I'll always remember something Matt Abdelmassi told me. He said, we're never going to offer a kid that we don't think could come in here and play. So we're not going to hand out offers just because somebody else doesn't come here. We're just going to go offer somebody else. Every offer we give somebody is for a purpose and for a reason. So uh, obviously they see plenty that they like in Eduardo Andre, and hopefully he can come in and um, you know provide Nebraska that, that size that they so desperately need. Even if he can just be a rim protector for this program, that would be really good. And at six foot ten, and he even – he even told uh, Robin Washington of Husker Online said, I love playing defense. I love being kind of an intimidator guy, a guy that the uh, opposition has to worry about when they bring the basketball into the lane. I love that. And Nebraska could use some of that. Nebraska's going to have, I think, enough scores on the offensive end. They don't need a whole lot of that, but they do need somebody who can go flip a few shots away from the basket and get a couple of rebounds. So exciting news, and it does leave Nebraska, I think, still with one available scholarship for the upcoming year. But uh, there there was a, a need there for Nebraska, even with Walker now being eligible and what we, we saw out of Wedrago this past year, who he really developed his game. I, I, I see Andre kind of um, – Maybe in the same light as Big Ivan, but maybe not as developed as Ivan was. Ivan had played quite a bit of competitive basketball for Team Europe and the team in France that he was playing with, where Andre, I think, is going to take a little bit more time. But you can't – what's the old saying? You can't coach height? I mean, you can't coach six foot ten. So that's a big a big body for uh, Nebraska to uh, land in there uh, for the basketball staff. And, you know, this comes on the disappointing news – where they didn't get the Sonango kid from New York a week ago, where you're like, okay, where do they go next? But Matt Abdomasi generally has some more guys in the pipeline ready to ready to go. He's really well-connected and a huge part of the staff for Nebraska. Well, if you put all your eggs in one basket, you're going to end up disappointed a lot of times. I, I think that's that's you know something clear that we learned in, in football recruiting. You know, you can't just bank on – uh, you know, one position in need and just target one guy. If you do that, you're you're in for big-time disappointment, you know, come signing day. I think, you know, you better have a list. You better have multiple guys that you're working on, multiple guys that you're recruiting and putting your efforts in towards because the one certainty in recruiting is that it's uncertain. You never know what it's gonna, what's going to happen. 
Now, I know college basketball is a lot less flaky than college football, but even still, weird things happen and, you know, decisions can be made or, or not made or surprisingly made at any time. And, um, you know, I think that's, that's the, the thing that, especially if you're a recruiting coordinator, you always have to be weary of. And, and I think this staff is. I think Coach Abdul Massey is. And you better believe when they didn't get one commitment, they moved right on to the next. And you can't dwell on, on what's, what's going wrong. You can only try and move forward and continue to better your team. And this happened very quickly. I think you have to give the staff a lot of credit for how quick they, they kind of assembled and, and mobilized to, to bring in somebody and address a need that you know they, they apparently had lost a couple of weeks prior. Andre told Robin Washington in that interview I referenced earlier that um, he plans on being in Lincoln in early June. That's the plan right now. Obviously, you know, I think the Big Ten Conference, the latest edict was June 1st before you can start having some organized team activities. But as he said, it could be fluid. But right now the, the plan is to try to get him here June the 6th, which would be when about summer school starts cranked up and I would anticipate a lot of student-athletes, particularly a lot of the incoming football players, to be on campus in that part of June as well, if that does indeed happen. Again, the head coach coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Austin had this for us in the ticker. Prince of Mucamara is now a Raider. And I don't know how many times I'm going to call them the Oakland Raiders. They are now officially the Las Vegas Raiders. Last week, late last week, DeMornay Pearsonell signed a free agent deal with them as well. DeMornay had a really good camp for them this past August and made it to the final cut. Probably was one of the last guys cut by the Raiders. They seem to like him. They're bringing him back as well. But I'm not a Raiders guy, Benz, but that's going to be tough if we have a couple former Huskers on that Raiders team. I know, and I can't say I'm surprised that Prince landed somewhere. I, I just feel like there's always a need for a veteran corner. Uh, one injury, one busted draft pick, anything can can thin you out really quick in the secondary. Chiefs fans could tell you that from last year, you know, how bad they were looking for bodies. And there's always kind of that weird transition of, of young rookies or, or second-year guys to where they're trying to find – uh, their niche and maybe take a little more development than what they're used to, but in that case, you need you need some veteran. You need some guys out there that can uh, that can go out there and play right away, can grasp a system, can mentor young guys. And and the Chiefs found that last year. Obviously, Kendall Fuller and, and Bashad Breland came in and kind of stabilized that position while breaking in a lot of really young players like Javarius Ward. So you know, I, I do think that um, the veteran corners in this league have have nine lives it seems and i think prince used up another one but it's great to see him land somewhere what's up with your boy sammy watkins well he popped <laughs> off about uh i mean if i come back with these chiefs i better get targeted a hundred times and i better get thousand yards receiving and wow yeah i mean there's a there's a really if you don't know anything about sammy watkins there's a really interesting article on bleacher report right now just kind of about his mindset i mean it's kind of hard to even explain you know what he believes in and what you know he, he he's he's obsessed almost with like a with this demonic entity that follows him around and um you know he's just got a really weird perspective on life and i shouldn't say weird but different not something you hear of every day and it's probably worth a read but you know my worry is that that kind of bleeds over into into the locker room you know making demands and it almost seemed like he was blaming a coach for him getting hurt when he hasn't, you know, he hasn't stayed healthy a single season his entire career. Now, a lot of that was, you know, his lifestyle habits when he was in Buffalo, 
you know, going out and partying every single night and his, his body just breaking down on him. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, there was a lot of blame pointed around in there. And, you know, if you don't want to ride the train, hop off and let somebody else get on because they've got enough weapons to where you're not going to make or break our system. It's hard to repeat. That's why it's, I mean, particularly in the NFL, hardly anybody repeats anymore. And so that's the challenge for the Chiefs and Andy Reid and that group to try to do it this year. And I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I hope the Chiefs win a couple in a row here, but it's going to be difficult. And you're right. That's the kind of comment that you hear from a guy that can really fracture a locker room if that kind of talk gets out there. Well, we're delighted to be welcomed now by the head football coach of the Cornhuskers, Scott Frost. Hey, Coach, good to, good to talk to you. It's been a while since we have caught up. I hope you and the family are doing okay through all this. Oh, we're fine. You know, uh, I think everybody's dealing with this in their own way, and I'm getting to spend a lot of time with family. And um, if there's any silver lining to this, it's that I think we're all getting a little more time with the people we love. You and I have i have not asked you this before. When you were a student, were you obviously were aware of the Chicago Bulls and their great success. Have you had a chance, along with the rest of America, to watch any of the last dance over the last several weeks? I've watched everything. I'm not cutting the last two episodes, so don't spoil anything for me. But <laughs> um, I, I'd say if you're, if you're my age, Michael Jordan was everybody's hero. Everybody wanted to be like Mike and – um, boy, back then when the Bulls were on, you stopped everything to watch Michael Jordan, and I don't think, I don't think that's changed. And uh, this is a great reminder to me how much of a competitor he was, and just the greatness that we saw every day when we got a chance to watch him. Coach, he was worried that people, when they saw this, were were going to think less of him, that they weren't going to like him. I, I, that hasn't occurred to me. Is that? I mean, I just think we all see what a great competitor he was. You know, one of the things we talk about about being a team leader with our team is uh, not being afraid to tell other people when they need to do better. And we live in an age where we're so careful about what we say that sometimes leaders are afraid to tell someone else they need to work harder or, or anything like that. Michael was the ultimate leader because, you know, he, he had friends, but uh, you go to movies with good friends, you go to battle with good teammates, and Michael Jordan was a good teammate. Oh, well put. All right, what's uh, what have you and the coaches been doing the last several weeks? We've seen some some noise out on the recruiting trail and some commitments to the program. What 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 has the last month been like? Well, I think it's kind of the same around the country. Is we don't have as much to do, so a lot of coaches are focused on recruiting. Um, we're in a position this year where we're getting a lot done, but uh, we're we're going to have to sign a smaller class this year, so we're being a little bit deliberate about who we take and where and when and uh but we're working hard on it and making sure we're in contact with the right guys and uh spend a lot of time on recruiting right now are you scouting are you self-scouting from last year what have you been breaking down a lot of tape as well yeah we're able to do some of that um you know it's hard to do it we all kind of have to do it on our own right now until we're able to get the coaching staff together uh, but we already had been through our self-scout, kind of looking at what we need to do better and different from last year. And uh, now we're kind of, you know, starting to take a look preliminarily at opponents for next year. And I, I'm sure we'll continue to do that. You, uh, you, you've had a couple of uh, new coaches that you added to the staff since the end of last season. One, Mike Dawson, I kind of say new because he was here a year or so ago. Have they been able to get moved and get themselves kind of situated in Lincoln during this this off period? 
They have. It's been a little bit awkward because uh, we have a couple guys with new houses and trying to get moved in and, and everything during this isn't real easy. Um, other thing with Mike in particular, you know, he was in New Jersey uh, where this hasn't been as, as uh, easy to deal with. And I think he and his family were in quarantine in, an, in a house for, I want to say, six weeks without leaving the house. Uh, so he was anxious to get back to Nebraska and um, be able to start do some doing some other things. And uh, it was good for him to get to town, but it's been a little awkward getting everybody moved and ready to, to be in Lincoln. Well, Coach, the last we heard from the conference is a June 1st, kind of an open day to bring people back and start having some team activities. Um, If we play football in the fall on time, how much time do you think you need to get a football team ready to roll if we're going to get this thing underway when it's scheduled in September? Well, there's a difference between what we can do and what's ideal, obviously. And uh, they're talking about four, six, four, five, and six-week models and I think that's possible. Obviously, I don't think it's ideal. Um, there's a, a lot of work that goes into getting guys physically and mentally ready to play football. Um, as much as we can be doing right now, uh, we're going to try to do so that we're more ready than other people. Uh, I think we've been doing a good job with that. Um, I, I just think there's a lot of questions that still have to be answered, Greg. There's, you know, there's so many people with a hand in how this is going to look and work. Uh, every governor in the country, every um, university president in the country, every AD in the country are all going to have a say in whether their institution plays football or not. And so there's a, a lot of people with hand in a cookie jar as far as making this decision. I think we need to be talking about how to get uh, student athletes back to their campuses without risking uh, infection in the communities and the protocol for bringing guys back safely. Uh, probably also what's the protocol when we inevitably have a a kid or two that do test positive for this. So there's a lot a lot of things and a lot of questions that need to be answered to make sure that when we do this, we do it the right way. And uh, I think we're asking the right questions, but there's probably some more answers that we need to uh, come up with before we move forward. Ted Carter came out a week or so ago and said that his plan right now is to have the campus open and running in the fall. Have you had conversations much with him and or the Chancellor Ronnie Green here in the in the recent weeks? Yeah, I've been on the phone with those guys uh, a ton through this. I got to tell you, our leadership on our campus uh, has been awesome. Uh, I think they've been careful and and exercised a caution to make sure that we're keeping the community and the state and the students safe. Uh, at the same time, I think they're optimistic and uh, and allowing us to do things to push forward and and be one of the schools that is ready to compete. You know, I I've said this. We want to play also as coaches and players because of it, and I know Nebraska, but there's more at stake than that. Um, there's a bunch of businesses around town. I've talked to all the owners that probably wouldn't flourish or, or maybe even be able to make it without home football games in Lincoln this fall. Uh, a lot of their revenue comes from that. Uh, you know, we make enough money as a university off every home game with a full Memorial Stadium. That's a huge part of our athletic budget. And um, I'm, I'm a little concerned about the other sports at the university and their ability to continue. We take a major uh, budget hit without having home football games. So there's a lot at stake and a lot riding on this other than just 
wanting to play football. And I think it's important that we find a safe way to get it up and running so that we can support all the things. How how nervous, concerned are you uh, in the condition of your team when you get them back on campus? Some of these young men are, have been home for a while, may not have access to a, a gym or a proper ability to work out. It's got to make you a little nervous, I would think. And, and uh, you're not alone. Every every coach in the country is dealing with this. But you got to be a little ant- antsy to, to see these guys once again, aren't you? You know, I think we're handling that as well as anybody. Um, I'm really confident in our guys' conditioning right now and the fact that they've been able to continue to get work done. Um, Obviously, that's a little bit easier here in Lincoln because this hasn't been as bad in Nebraska as some other places. Uh, But we have an idea with every single one of our student-athletes what they're doing, where they're doing it, where they are, who they're in contact with. Uh, for the kids that stayed in town, we know what's going on with them. For the kids back home, we're trying to find that, help them find solutions to stay in shape. And I think our kids will be ready to come back and, and practice uh, for sure when the time's right. And especially if everything opens up on, on June 1st, that'll give us plenty of time to, to get a team ready to go through a camp. We're visiting with Scott Frost here on Sports Nightly on the Husker Sports Network. Last weekend was graduation. I noticed 12 football players got their diploma. That's what it's all about, get these student-athletes on campus and get them to work toward a degree. Two of those were, were quarterbacks that were in your program at one point in time. Your your room is not as full, and that, that particular room is not as full now as it was several months ago. How do you feel about the quarterback position now with what you know you're going to have in the fall? Uh, we still feel great about it. You know, when we look, you look where we came from with only two scholarship quarterbacks, one being a true freshman and one redshirt freshman on our, our team uh, a couple years ago. Uh, actually, Adrian and a walk-on and Andrew Bunch. And uh, where we are now, we're in a lot better shape. Uh, I can't say enough good things about Noah Vedral, who chose to, to take a look at some other places Uh He's like a son to me, and I want what's best for him. Uh, obviously, feel good about Adrian going forward and the progress that he's going to make. Uh, Luke McCaffrey had a really good freshman year and is turning into a, a fine quarterback uh, that I think will be able to win a lot of games around here. Uh, Logan Smothers is already on campus and doing good things for us. So uh, we're in good shape at that position. Obviously, you never want to lose anyone, but um, – feel really good about the, the quarterback spot and the improvements to, to depth and talent that we've made at a lot of places. Since we last spoke, the NFL draft took place. You had the Davis twins both get selected, one by a guy by the organization you know pretty well, the Pittsburgh Cedars and Mike Tomlin, taking Carlos Davis. Your thoughts about the twins getting drafted? Well, anytime kids from our program get a chance to, to chase their, their dreams, uh, I'm happy for them and proud of them. Um, so that I know the Davis Twins will go and compete and do a good job. Uh, great. We need more guys getting drafted from here, and that starts with recruiting. I feel like a lot of the kids that we've recruited over the last two cycles um, are going to be the type of players that have a chance to do that someday. Um, we do a great job of developing talent once it's here and, and helping kids become all they can be. And um, I know that that's going to lead to more draft picks, but you know it's hard to win games in the in the Big Ten with two draft picks in two years. And uh, I feel like we're we're well down the path to having more in the future, and hopefully more kids uh, get a chance to do the same things that Davis Twins are doing.
Well, Coach, we appreciate uh, getting a little bit of your time to catch up, and hopefully June 1st the gates open a little bit and we can get some student-athletes back on campus and get working toward next fall. And um, trust me, you're going to want to see Episode 7 of The Last Dance. It was my favorite episode, so go get, go get caught up on that this week. Boy, if we had a whole team of competitors that, that love to compete uh, as much as Michael Jordan, it, it's tough to beat those type of teams. I'm just uh, eating it up every time that's on and uh, have – I, I agree with what you said. I have more admiration for him now than I did then. We think him up. We count him down. It's Top 10 Tuesdays on Sports Nightly. Top 10 Tuesdays brought to you by Union Bank and Trust. At Union Bank and Trust, all your banking needs are taken care of by real people who really care. Stop by and you'll see that you belong here union bank and trust member fdic well we we've talked about college football and the uncertainty that we have for the fall a lot of different scenarios out there about maybe having to shorten the season maybe tweaking the schedule to pace dependent upon whether other schools are even competing in the sport this year so we thought we'd have some fun tonight guys and talk about a top 10 list of games we'd like to see the huskers play Ben, this is a bit of your brainchild. Give me your thoughts on this thing. Yeah, we've done this similar to this in the in the past on July 4th uh, a few years ago. Josh and I on Independence Day, if we were Notre Dame, we could put together an independent schedule. Who would we put on our schedule? Um, but this this obviously isn't quite the same. There, there are certain restrictions that uh, are put on this that we didn't necessarily have in the past. You can't just throw USC or or Florida State or Notre Dame on this list just because of potential travel restrictions. So um, for me, it was uh, bussable trips and and nostalgia and kind of competitive spirit is kind of how I put mine together. Um, and, and just matchups I just straight up like to see. So it's it's a unique, a unique mix for me. Austin, how did you approach it? I went with a schedule that absolutely no football coach would ever want to put together and that no athletic director would be willing to put together, but kind of with Ben. Uh, keep it bussable, maybe throw in a few neutral sites if they're too far, and just fun. Have, have fun with this season. It's going to be weird anyways. Lean into the weird. Play all sorts of random games. This will be interesting because I, I took maybe a little bit more traditional approach. I kept some of the teams that are on the current schedule on my 10, and then I went around and grabbed some area teams that I knew could either bust to Lincoln or Nebraska could bust to their campus. So this will be interesting to see how we put this together. Ben, lead us off. Sure. So the way I ordered it, um, I kind of went in order from – uh, maybe least competition to most competition. So, you know, depending on however you want to mix these together to form your 10-game schedule, um, you know, I kind of, you know, as, as those preseason games that we talk about. So I do have a couple of those to start. My first one is uh, is not that far away. Give me the Air Force Academy. I would love to play an academy school um, in, a, in, a, in one like Air Force. It'd be, it'd be easy to drive. It'd be, uh, you know, if, if we were forced to go there, um, now, assuming not all these are going to be road games, but if you did have to tra travel to all these, they would all be doable. Uh, but I think Air Force would be interesting for a lot of reasons. It's an academy school. Greg, you and I talk all the time about how much we'd love to see an Army-Navy game. But, you know, having the, that commander-in-chief trophy uh, involvement somehow to get to get a look at that would be awesome. And, 
And, and the other reason is the triple option. I think there's a lot of reasons why Husker fans would love to watch that again. I think they'd like to watch it less if the Falcons were <laughs> successful. But Air Force, for me, would be an awesome trip, and it's a formidable opponent too. So Air Force, my number 10. Austin? I'm glad you put Air Force on, Ben. That was a tough cut for me. Number 10, though, for me is Houston, University of Houston. This matchup has only happened once in school history. That was back in 1980. Driving down there or Houston driving here would be 13 hours. I think this could be a fun neutral site game. NRG Stadium, maybe Jerry World, Alamo Dome, or even Arrowhead. So I think there are a lot of places you could hold this game. Could see a lot of points in that one. Scott Frost versus Dana Holgerson. I'm here for it. Weren't they the team that tanked last year? Yeah, they yeah, had players that start receiver. redshirting and yeah, yeah, guys that they had sit out. And did he? Did the quarterback transfer to I'm Miami? That up. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He did. He got out of there. All right. After he said he was coming back. Yes. My number ten is uh, is one of the teams that's currently on the schedule that I'm keeping, and it's about for me the furthest one away, and that's the Fighting Illini. Need a conference game at home. Uh, they're currently on the schedule, so uh, I'm keeping the, the Illini on the schedule. And boy, the last, particularly last year's game, was a tremendous game in Champaign. I'm not, I wouldn't mind seeing a rematch of that. So I also have number ten with Illinois for me. All right, good. Uh, my number nine is a team that we had a home and home with not that long ago, uh, and it's an it's an interesting one and, and a trip that I would love to make. I wasn't on the sidelines yet when the Huskers made that trip, but give me Wyoming and Laramie. I think that was. A really cool trip, kind of a unique place. They had Josh Allen here, and Brian Hill here, a couple of really good uh, players for Wyoming. Of course, Josh Allen, the first-round draft pick of the Bills. And Brian Hill had a, a solid, solid year last year with the Falcons due to a bunch of injuries. So uh, I think Wyoming is interesting. You know, you've kind of got that connection um, with former former Nebraska coach there. So I I think it would be interesting, and I think it's a winnable game for the Huskers and, and obviously drivable too. So give me Wyoming, my number nine. Bonus question here for you guys. Who did they upset last year? Can you remember that? Man. Either one of um, They got a Power 5 school. They beat them last year. Was it TCU? I don't remember. Missouri. Missouri. The Missouri That's right. Tigers. I do remember that out there. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I do remember yeah. that it was, now. Maybe week two of the season. Yeah. All right, number nine for me, I stick in the state of Texas, and I throw this one back to the Dana X Bible years for Nebraska. Nebraska SMU. I think this would be another one, high-octane game, lots of points, two spread offenses. And ideally, you play this one at Arrowhead Stadium in front of Patrick Mahomes as he gets ready for the next day's game against either the Patriots or the Panthers. <laughs> that's a much easier drive getting to Dallas and Houston. Yes. It is. It's three or four hours shorter, so that's not bad at all. Yeah, they, they've had some decent teams in recent years. All right, my yeah, number eight, I'm, I'm, I'm staying with another Big Ten team with my number nine, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Northwestern. Husker fans love this trip. They love going to the north side of Chicago. It's a great venue to go to that time of year because you're, you're beating the winter weather and the leaves are starting to turn. It's a beautiful, uh, beautiful atmosphere, so I'm keeping the Wildcats on my schedule. I uh, that, that was my number 11, so I, I had to leave them off, but it was one I seriously considered putting on my list. My number eight is another team that Nebraska is familiar with, and just I mentioned the competitive side. I, I don't like what happened the last time these two teams played. I don't like what's going on up there, but I want a chance to beat them. I got the Gophers at, here at number eight with Minnesota. I think that's starting to become a game that 
Husker fans are taking pretty seriously. I know I certainly didn't take that game seriously when Nebraska first joined the Big Ten, but you better believe I am now. I stick with a similar maroon theme for my number eight. I've got Texas A&M here, a couple teams that got out of the wreckage of the Big 12. Scott Frost versus Jimbo Fisher. You play the game either home site would be absolutely rocking. Owe them a little bit of something for what happened in 2010. And again, if you wanted to find a neutral site to make it easier on both teams, I think that would work too. A lot of people think they're going to be really good. I think they have the makings of a really good football team this fall. My eight lines up with Ben. I've got the Gophers. Keep that Black Friday game intact right there. Uh, that's the next two years. It's Minnesota is that game after Thanksgiving this year here, next year up there. So the Gophers in Lincoln to wrap up the season for me. Good. All right, my number seven. Um, yeah, this is my first Big 12 team. I got Kansas State here at number seven. Uh, I know Bill Moose made a comment that made shockwaves about a year ago about wanting to get uh, some former Big 12 schools. I think this is one he was talking about. I think, you know, these two programs built so similarly, had some great battles back in the Big 12 days. And as you and I know, traveling there for baseball, Greg, it's an easy, easy trip to make. Um, look, I'd, I'd love to see their new renovated football stadium, and I'd, I'd love to go watch them play there and, and just kind of kind of reminisce on the old games in Manhattan. So give me the Wildcats at number seven. My number seven, a different kind of cat. I've got Bobcats here, the Ohio Bobcats, and we need this one sooner than later. We don't know how much longer Frank Stolich is going to be in charge over at Ohio. Athens isn't too far. It's a few hours past Columbus, so you could move this to Indianapolis or Chicago, but I think a Nebraska-Ohio matchup could be fun. Yeah, I don't know that Nebraska would be going there. I think they'd be bussing out to Lincoln for that one. All right, my number seven is another one that's on the schedule. I'm getting to my ones that aren't on the schedule, and I'm leaving South Dakota State on here. This game means a lot to the Jackrabbit fans. They came down in mass a couple of years ago and really played Nebraska pretty tough. So we need a home opener. To me, that'd be the perfect home opener with South Dakota State. Leave it there. Get Make sure they get their full money out of the whole deal. I know a lot of Jackrabbit fans would be happy to come to Lincoln for a weekend. Let's keep them on there. Yep, that's definitely one I considered as well. All right, my number six, I'm going to the state that Nebraska has a lot of hostility towards right now in Iowa, but I'm playing the Cyclones here at Iowa Ooh. State. I've never been to Jack Trice. I think that would be a lot of fun. You've kind of got this young, hot shot head coach in Matt Campbell that everyone seems to want to pluck and, and get out of Ames. They took a step back last year. We're pretty disappointing by, by our standards. We had them really highly in our top 25, but – uh, give me Iowa State. I think it would be. I think it would be fun to uh, once again go play the Cyclones, especially, you know, at at, uh, at either their place or our place. So, I got Iowa State at number six. Didn't they play Notre Dame in the bowl game? I think they did. They in that, did. Uh, that game in Orlando, Camping World Bowl. That's it. Yep. All right, number six for me, I'm going with a red-on-red red matchup as well here. A bit of a bus ride, but Utah. You know, either way, it's about 13 hours. I think this is an intriguing matchup. The schools have played only four times. It's about, like I said, 13 hours. You know, it's a, it's a solid team. Really test your mettle against them, get a really, really great color scheme matchup going on. I would, I would love to see a Nebraska-Utah game. Austin, you must have never ridden on a team bus before. Throw you on one of those for 13 Woo. hours and see how you feel. I, when you're six foot four, 320 pounder, too. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't told that everyone had to be comfortable the entire way. I just said it had to That's be within true. reason bussable. Yeah. That would All be right. a fun matchup, though. Oh, man. That, that, that's, 
I'm a, I'm a big Kyle Whittingham fan. I think he does a heck of a job with that program out in Utah. My number six, I'm, I'm in the same state as Ben, but I'm keeping the Hawkeyes on my schedule. Uh, this thing is, is starting to really hum along as a rivalry game. Huskers owe them a game. I'm keeping Iowa. Let's go to Kinnick. Let's, get it, let's break that streak this year. Let's go play the Hawkeyes. All right, very good. On to the, my top five and everybody's top five from here on out. And, and th- this campus has had my intrigue ever since we visited there in 2014 with the baseball regional in Stillwater. I want to see Oklahoma State. Uh, I, obviously, very doable drive, one that we did. Um, you know, the Pokes kind of with their, their fancy uniforms, the mullet and Mike Gundy. <laughs> We've seen a, a really good performance out of Taylor Martinez in Stillwater. Uh, yeah, send me to send me to Stillwater. Those matchups with Okie State, I think, would be fun, and I think it's a game Nebraska could win against a high caliber opponent. So I've got Okie State back on my schedule at number five. I am with you in wanting to watch Chuba Hubbard and Tylen Wallace very much, but they are not my number five. My number five, I'm proposing the Jeff Colhane Bowl. Bring the Bison down oh. here for the first matchup Ooh. in school history. They're I don't good. Know I want that. They're good. Man, they would flock down here. Their fans yeah, might would. might take over the town. They travel really, really well. Uh, that game would have some juice behind it if that thing ended up happening. All right, my number my number five. I've got the Badgers on here. That's uh, certainly a, a bustable trip. I know a lot of fans make that drive up there when the Huskers go to Madison to play uh, Wisconsin. Let's let's do it. Let's go down against the Badgers again. I got them at number five. All right, my number four is this is where I line up with Greg. I've got Wisconsin here at number four. I this is just one team that I just can't leave off a of schedule, and there's another one coming up. And um, you know, I think the Big Ten is starting to sink into my roots a little bit because if we did this maybe three, four years ago, I would not put Wisconsin on this list at all. But we owe them a couple, so I've got the Badgers here at number four. Exact same reasoning I have for my one Big Ten team. That's Wisconsin for me as well. Okay, very good. My number four, I'm heading to Lawrence, Kansas. Let's take on the Kansas Jayhawks. It uh, was one of the longest-running consecutive series of games between Nebraska and Kansas until the the breakup of the Big 12 Conference. Let's renew that thing. Let's have the Jayhawks and the Huskers get together. I don't care where where it's at, whether it's Lincoln or Lawrence. Let's go. Let's go. Let's throw down. Sure. Uh, my number three mentioned by you, Greg, and this is the other team that I just, if I'm putting together a schedule, I can't leave off anymore. It's Iowa. We owe them uh, four or five in a row now. Their fans are, are getting louder and louder every year, um, playing the old pity card. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm ready for Nebraska to start taking control of that rivalry again. You love that place. My favorite. <laughs> <laughs> number three for me. I'm pairing this one with a baseball fall scrimmage just for kicks. Arkansas have the Huskers and the Razorbacks less than seven hours down there to Fayetteville. Only one previous matchup in school history. So just extend that Big 12 footprint a little more and you have a nice little Nebraska-Arkansas game. Yeah, you know, I I think about them. I have floated this the series with Missouri out there a couple times about let's play one in Columbia, one in Lincoln and one at Arrowhead. You can do the same thing with Arkansas. You can play one in Fayetteville, one in Lincoln, one in Arrowhead. I could be a great three-game series. And it's it's remarkable, Austin, that these two, they're not that far apart. That's not a very no. far drive. It's like six hours from Lincoln or Omaha. And they played one time. It just doesn't seem possible at all. I love that one. Glad you put That's that one on That's a good one, Austin. There. My three was Ben's nine. Here's where I've got the Wyoming Cowboys. And uh, 
probably be a game in Lincoln, but I wouldn't mind going out there. I know the fans, the Husker fans in western Nebraska and the Panhandle love that game because it's so close. It's closer for them to get to Laramie than it is to Lincoln. Uh, so it's a cool setting. We had a fun game out there a few years ago. Let's do it again. I'm with you, Ben. I got the Cowboys at three. Awesome. Uh, all right, my final two are, are ones that Husker fans would be disappointed if we didn't have on our list. And um, Number two pains me to put back on there because of what happened last year, but I got the Buffaloes at Colorado here at number two. I, <laughs> those guys are starting to make me sick a little bit, and I'm, I'm, I'm already kind of chomping at the bit to play those guys again, and I'm, I'm sure hoping that Nebraska has it turned around when, uh, when we go to Boulder next because that was a – pretty horrid experience granted it was a beautiful campus and beautiful setting for a game and it was fun being uh on that field until the game started um yeah i'm I'm ready to i'm ready for another shot at the buffs it was a fun day well into the game too right yeah i mean but but i mean even just you know even when we're hearing from coach frost today i for some reason that that conversation jogged in my mind that i had with him at halftime listening to him talk and I don't think any of us expected what we did after that flea flicker. That entire game changed, and that was a sickening feeling. I, I need the Buffaloes again. <laughs> ben needs the Buffaloes again. I need some Cardinals for the first time. Give me Louisville in, in my bet the over bowl. I think this would be a fun one. Another couple of spread offenses, Frost versus Satterfield. Louisville was surprisingly competent last year. I think this would be a whole heck of a lot of fun, Nebraska-Louisville. The yeah, they had some athletes on the field. Sure do. My number two was Ben Seven. Here's where I've got K-State. And let this be a road game. That's fine. A little simple road trip for Husker fans who go down to Manhattan and watch a game down there. I'm fine with that. Let's go play the Cats in Manhattan. Yeah, love it. Uh, No surprise who my number one is. Oklahoma here at number one. Uh, Greg and I busted onto their campus last June. Uh, Looking forward to being permitted to be on their sidelines here before (laughs) too long uh, for a game. But Give me Oklahoma, Nebraska-Oklahoma game. I mean, I'm, I'm imagining what my feeling was for that Colorado game. Times that by about 10, and that's how I'm going to feel playing the, the Sooners. I left them off because we play them next year. So I knew that was coming. I mean, they're on the schedule in 20 and 21. So it's we're going to get our fill of the Sooners the next couple of years, so I left them off. But you wouldn't get any argument from Husker fans. Anytime we get a chance to line up with Oklahoma, let's go. Right, Greg, that's the reason I left Oklahoma off my list as well. So at number one, this is a game that's been played a couple times in my lifetime, but I was too young to remember it. I've got Notre Dame. Last time Nebraska played Notre Dame was 2000 and 2001. South Bend's only 10 hours away. That seems plenty possible. Nebraska fans could fill it up or Notre Dame could come here. Either way, I just think this would be a really fun matchup. Enough of a rivalry there. You can get the juices flowing again. So Nebraska-Notre Dame's my number one. Yeah, people love that trip to I would South love Bend. To go that there. was cool. Yeah. I would love to go there. Let me throw this out there right now, guys. I think you may see Notre Dame play Ohio State this year. And here's why. I think that Oregon game is probably going off the table now for Ohio State. I think the Pac-12, may, if they play football at all, they may only play conference games. So Oregon, Ohio State's supposed to play Oregon. Obviously, Notre Dame every year plays Stanford and USC. So if they don't get either one of those matchups, Notre Dame needs games. There you go. Notre Dame, Ohio State, I think that could really happen. All right, my number one, I've got the Missouri Tigers here. I, I just have – I, I, I want to play the Tigers again in something. So here we go. Football for me, I've got Missouri at number one for me. Yeah, I mean, all those Big 12 – I mean, I could have filled this up with all Big 12 schools right. and been happy with it. Yep. All right, that was fun. Should we Twitter pull that, Austin? Can you put one together? Absolutely. All right, throw that out there. If somebody, If the, Nebraska has to – 
tweak their 2020 schedule, who would you like to see them add to that schedule? You can put uh, Oklahoma, Missouri, and Austin had, had Notre Dame. So those three possibilities out there for you as well. Mentioned earlier in the show that today is another Takeout Tuesday edition. Some really cool pictures that Husker Sports retweeted uh, from Athletics today were Heather Brink, Will Bolt, and Barrett Rood were dropping off some Val's pizzas to some of the first responders at uh, five different local fire stations throughout Lincoln. That's a really cool thing. And a chance to, for those coaches to go out and see some of the folks who are on the front lines of all this thing, keeping us safe on a daily day, day in and day out basis. So uh, go check that out. That's a pretty cool, cool thing to see. And, uh, you know, those coaches, I know they like to be able to do more of that. They're just, their jobs just demand them being too many other places at too many different times. But good to see all those coaches get out and do something like that. Yeah, I know it means a lot, you know, to to be able to to give back to the community and uh, you know, see those faces that uh that they make smile so much and you know, what their play on the field or, you know, certain players that pass through their programs or whatever it is, but yeah, I know they all get a lot out of that, especially when it comes to helping children too. I mean, we've seen about every single one of those programs rally behind a small child uh, who is going through a difficult time at some point too. It's part of the reason why um, you know, Nebraska is so special. Yep, no doubt. Uh, Austin's had this in the ticker the last couple of hours that Prince of Mucamara is now a member of the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, his time with the Bears is up, but this is going to be his 10th season in the NFL. How's, how's that possible, Ben? It seems crazy, right, that we were just oh. learning about this kid from Arizona and learning how to pronounce his name, playing alongside Alfonso Dennard, yeah, it's crazy to see where, you know, those guys have ended up and, um, you know, how far it's how far it's been, how long it's been since they were Huskers. Tomorrow night on the program, we'll have our weekly uh, sit-down with the University of Nebraska President Ted Carter. Uh, Jeremiah Searles will be back with another edition of his Husker Huddle. Boy, those have been fun to let him just talk to some former Husker players and kind of delve into their careers as Huskers, what they're doing now, and their thoughts about the current state of Husker football. Tomorrow night, Yoshi Hardrick. Ben, he's really cut himself a nice swath of the CFL. His team won the CFL championship last year. Not making as much money as the NFL, but doing pretty well. Making making a paycheck playing professional football. That's that's all you can ask for. You know, Yoshi's an interesting guy. Part of that Fort Scott pipeline that Bo Pelini brought that was so beneficial to Nebraska. You know, four or five of those players coming over. And, you know, you got Yoshi making a, a career in the CFL. Levante making a career. In the NFL, Stanley Jean Baptiste was still hanging around for a while. I know a pretty bad injury hurt him, but it's pretty cool to see. Really good stuff. So we'll have that for you tomorrow night here on the show here on Sports Nightly.